Elkhart County is a place where quality craftsmanship, innovation, and collaboration result in a well-crafted life. With an appreciation for all things handmade and homegrown, we leave our mark on everything we hold. Elkhart County is well-crafted. Welcome to the people and places along the Heritage Trail in Elkhart County, Indiana podcast. And welcome back to another great episode of the People and Places Along the Heritage Trail podcast. I am so excited to start this episode off with Ryan, the Executive Vice President of the RV Hall of Fame with me on the podcast. Hey, Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, gosh, of course. You know, the RV Hall of Fame is such an iconic attraction here in Elkhart County, and it really is to recognize, preserve, and honor the history, the pioneers, and the individuals that have been so instrumental in making the recreational vehicle and manufactured housing industries what they are today. And of course, we're the RV capital of the world. So it only makes sense that that incredible asset would be located right here. So Ryan, can you tell the listeners just a little bit about how you got involved in the museum? Uh, So I am in my 10th year this year. Um, Pretty much my entire working career uh, other than some odds and end jobs, has been at the Hall of Fame. And for good reason, I've developed a, a pretty strong passion. Um, I got started, uh, so Daryl Sear, our president, mm-hmm. um, 10 years ago, uh, he's actually my grandfather. <laughs> and so I, I was uh, playing college baseball, and I decided I had a high school sweetheart at home, and um I was really missing family and I wanted to just kind of focus on finishing school. And and so I, I ended up enrolling at IUSB and coming back into the area. And I was going to bartend and play piano and guitar at yesterday's restaurant in Granger. Um, and so I had this whole gig lined up and I was really excited about it. And then I get a call from Daryl and he said, Hey, I heard about, uh, what you're kind of thinking about doing and um it's really great and it, 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 i'm really excited for you but do you want to do something that's going to really have a difference on the area do you want to be a part of something that's growing that um would be a more of a, a future option for you and i thought about it and it was like oh, yeah, it would be really fun to play music and, and to have that life but you know what um I really respect my grandfather, and if he's telling me that this is a really good opportunity, then I'm going to go ahead and take up, take him up on it. And so I started off doing just about everything that you could. I was wearing a lot of different hats, everything from uh, being a janitor to organizing our induction dinner. And then just over the last 10 years, I've been involved in every single aspect of, of what it takes to run the organization and um really developed a passion for where it's going and what's fun for me in my 10th year is I'm more excited about it excited about it now than I was when I even started and so definitely didn't ever become uh, something that dwindled Um, the passion just kept growing and growing and growing and and now I'm looking forward and I'm, I'm really excited about where we're going. Now talking about growing and growing This museum has basically several museums under one roof. And I think that that is just fascinating to begin with. So if it's cool with you, I'm going to take the facility in kind of bite-sized pieces because I do think everything needs some attention and there is so much there. So first- I think that'd be a good strategy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) First, let's talk about the RV Founders Hall. And I think that this is the part of the museum 
that when people are thinking about the RV Hall of Fame and the museum part, this is what they're thinking of. That is the trailers and the photos and the memorabilia. memorabilia. That's a fun word that you get to say a lot, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. There's a few, uh, there's a, a museum vernacular that uh, is not common in other places. So I get to learn some interesting words and phrases. You're just but throwing those out at the, at the parties. Now those yeah. go back to like the 1920s or 1930s, right? Um, yes. So in the Founders Hall, it actually starts with the 1913, oh. and it's considered the world's oldest travel trailer, and it's in beautiful condition. Um, it's a, um, it's called the Earl 1913 Ford Model T travel trailer, and um, right now I actually have a, a, I sent in to get it verified by the Guinness World Book of Records to oh. actually be considered the world's oldest because. At this point, we know it is, but we still would like to get it verified. Oh, yeah. It's just for, for fun for our customers when they come in. You you let them know that it's recognized by Guinness World Book of Records. In it, um, in that room, it uh, there's 65 units that are in there right now, and starting with 1913, going into about the mid 70s, a lot of the units that we own belong to. Um, very well recognized people such as Mae West. Uh, there was a house car that was built for her that was a way for Paramount Studios to uh, pull her away from vaudeville and start doing movie movies for them. And uh, it was an incentive. And, and now it's sitting here in our museum. So people get an absolute kick out of that. Um, we have a unit that belonged to uh, Charles Lindbergh. And he was the first uh, transatlantic flight and flew the spirit of St. Louis. Um, over the pond and uh, <laughs> became a very famous pilot for that. And there was a gentleman named Holly Bolas and Holly Bolas, uh, he actually built the Spirit of St. Louis that was oh. used by Charles Lindbergh. And we have his unit right next to it. And so we tell that story and it's really fun attraction for the guests. But I would definitely agree with you that at least up until this year, that's been considered the main attraction when people come in, they, they really want to see those old iconic trailers. A lot of people um, can relate and they look back in their into their childhood and, and some of the things that they saw camping growing up and um, they recognize some of the units uh, that we have. And so it's definitely uh, there's something for everybody when they come in there. And my favorite part is realizing how innovative people were so long ago. Oh, yeah. And uh the industry now, they come up with all kinds of different new additions, and most of it's technology-focused, but a lot of the groundwork was done a long time ago, and uh, some of the really ingenious ways to have a lot of amenities in a small vehicle and, and then be able to go camping and have everything that you need. All of the ingenious strategies were already thought of way back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, a fun story, I think, is a fun story, is we have a uh, 1916 unit, and it's called the uh, telescopic apart apartment. And it was basically the first unit where you could pull things out of it, and oh, then there would be yeah. a bed on the inside and drawers and, and um, places for your dishes and places where you can cook would then extend outward. And so in the 1980s, there was a lot of lawsuits that were going on with some of the ma major manufacturers in the RV industry to see who um, was responsible for coming up with the idea of the slide out first. And uh, us at the museum, we're, we're saying, 
well, wait a second, way back in 1916, someone had already come up with the concept. Yeah. So that's that's kind of fun. It, it's a perspective that we get to have that not a lot of other people do. But when you come into the museum, you get to learn that story. And that's fun. Now, certainly, you know, you, you mentioned that you've got these really original groundbreaking, but then also in the Go RVing part of the museum, that is the state of the art RVs that are on display, uh, celebrating how there's such a vital role that the RV industry has here in this country and really allows them to understand what RVing could be like today, right? Yeah, um, in the Go RVing Hall, it's dedicated to showing people what is available in today's world of camping, especially as it pertains to an RV. Um, and so there are seven units in there right now that represent different um, model types. Um, some people want to take a, a big class A motorhome and some people want to take something that they can attach to their truck and, and away they go in their truck bed. Um, and so we have options to show people uh, what is available now and it's displayed in in a, obviously an exhibit style so it's it's um i call it edumatainment it's educational <laughs> entertainment yeah uh it, we also have one unit in there that is modern it's a little bit more of a prototype um there was a company that was our, our neighbor uh Therion, and they they did electronics for high-end rvs and um and even in the marine industry and they built a unit that basically they did all their bells and whistles it has a helicopter pad that's on the top and a hot tub you, yeah. you go up to the upstairs and there's railings along the side and you can sit there and enjoy a nice spa uh up on top of an rv and it's just baffling <laughs> for people when they see it and when they walk in i mean even just the entertainment center that they have with the, the television and the surround sound in the kitchen and the all of the amenities it's just absolutely gorgeous and so that's it's not necessarily something that a lot of people would buy but it's definitely a very fun example of taking modern camping i well a lot of people call it glamping at that yes. point yeah glamorous camping because that and is, you have a hot farther. tub and a helipad that is glamping that is like the best definition of glamping I have ever heard of. Yes, and uh, I actually have seen someone land the helicopter on top of it, um, which was pretty fascinating because it was like, boy, I, I understand the concept and it's really exciting and it's fun to think about, but does it actually function? I saw the owner of the company land a helicopter right on top of the RV about 30 feet away from my where my office is outside, oh, so man. that was pretty cool. Now, right, you said, you know, when you go in the unit and both in the RV Founders Hall and the Go RVing part, there are units of all ages that you can go in and you can see what they're like, right? Yes. Uh, and that's definitely fun for people. There's there's some that are so delicate and mm -hmm. they're um, that we, we rope them off and almost always you're able to get the gist of it from looking through the windows looking at the outside um and and in some situations we've actually gone in and done a video tour to show people what the inside looks like on a screen on the outside of them um most of them though you can go in and that's really fun for people to do <laughs> i think um you get a sense that people were a little bit smaller uh <laughs> back in the day 
because uh, some of the knobs even just just the small things you realize that they're they're just smaller and i think it's fun for people like i said before to to see how ingenious we have a 1938 um uh home that uh you when you pull open the door the step actually goes underneath the vehicle and then it pulls out and and it it's absolutely genius uh, I've never seen it on anything else like it. There's another one where uh, when you pull open the bathroom door, uh, then you have a really awesome place where you can hang your suits and your clothes. And the bath, the actual toilet that you would use comes from underneath the couch that's in the, kind of the sitting area. <laughs> and so when you open the door, that whole mechanism, and it's just a way of conserving space and maximizing yeah. what you're able to do in a, in a small vehicle. And it's fun for people to be able to get inside them and and see how things operate and it's definitely when people leave a review or or they let us know what they thought of the experience being able to go inside a lot of the units is definitely one of the number one things that people really enjoy so you know we've we've talked a couple of times that we are the rv capital of the world and i'm always really proud to say that and then you've got exhibitor hall that helps walk through the history of the products that a lot of the manufacturers and the service providers that are located here and also just in the RV and manufactured housing industry work on and develop and create from scratch. So can you talk about what people would see in that part of the museum? Yeah, the exhibitors hall is, um, it's definitely something that I would consider uh, a work in progress. I feel like there's a long way that we can go to even further accomplish what you were just mentioning, um, having people understand the evolution of the suppliers that that provided the products that would go in and, and complete these units along the way. Uh, because they, it, it definitely took a, a lot of innovation and um, some of the people that were involved were, were definitely ingenious in the way that they would create products to fit unique situations. In our exhibitor hall, we have several companies that set up displays that uh, one of them, for instance, shows a, a, a really awesome uh, diesel engine um, and a generator that was used back in the 1960s. Um, Dometic, uh, which is a company that's uh, based out of Elkhart, a really large supplier company, has a really cool display where they mentioned that even Einstein loved their products. And, <laughs> and so people go in and they can read the evolution of, you know, how their products developed into modern day, what 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 is used today. Um, and so where I'd like to see the exhibitor hall grow a little bit more is we have um, actually recently, and I'm sure we're going to get to this here later in the podcast, but with our uh, manufactured housing museum, we had a, a designer and a, de a developer who is an expert in exhibits and um, what someone who would fit into our target market of people that are going to come into the museum are interested in seeing when they experience uh, a museum like ours. And the things that being able to tell a story and being able to educate people in a way that is entertaining. And so in the exhibitor hall, I would really like to develop it into more exhibits um, and museum type displays rather than something that you might see if you go to a nice convention. 
Um, and so that's definitely something that down the road, I'm really going to try hard as more people become involved uh, or even with the people that are involved now is to encourage them to work with a designer of exhibits for museums. And so they can tell their story and they, they can advertise their company in a very positive way, but in a way that's going to relate to the customers that we have. Um, so just something that I'm always thinking forward and I'm always excited yeah. for what we can do next. And that's something that I feel like definitely could take a step forward. Now, I'm not saying that we save the best for last necessarily, but you do have one more component uh, over there at the museum, and that is the new Manufactured Housing Museum. And it just recently opened. And Ryan, it is just super awesome. And I mean, I was blown away the few times that I've been through it. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about this experience? And uh, it's something that is, it, we're constantly fine tuning it. We are so excited about it. It's definitely a, an element that we've never offered. Um, it's it's a little bit less of a, um, a traditional museum where you look and you absorb and, and you, uh, the actual um, unit or, or RV that you're looking at is the display. This is a lot more, um, it's pumped full of uh, atmosphere and, and yeah. uh, senses and smells and, and uh, visuals and, and screens. And I would call it more of an experience than a, a museum. Um, and so when you first walk into that, that part of our museum, right immediately in the entry, it's, it's very attractive. And you, you have a good sense of what you're going into because the front facade looks like the front door of a manufactured home. And so it's kind of a, a neat way to get people to start as they walk up to this front facade of a house and you're, you're in this, oh, I'm in a, a neighborhood. And then as you walk in, immediately you're in a covered wagon. Yeah. And we built this covered wagon uh, to feel like sort of late 1800s. And you sit down on the bench and, and there's a, a video series that's... Um, it's a common theme throughout the entire experience that each sort of era that you enter um, or display that you you uh, stumble upon, there's an explanation of, you know, where you're at in the point of the evolution. And so right there in the covered wagon, I, I actually am the yeah. one who did all of the acting. Which I was just going to say, we, we are not going to shy away from these videos because the common theme is you also. <laughs> So I have never done anything like that before. Uh, I've never acted. I was never in a, in a drama club. I was never in theater. Um, I was a baseball player and, <laughs> and a basketball player. And and so it was definitely a new experience for me. Though where it started was for functionality purposes as we started building, because um, a lot of these things actually operate uh, differently. They're not stagnant. Like the bench when you walk into the covered wagon as you start down your ride, uh, down the dirt trail, it starts to move and then the curtain swings open. So at, for the programmer, we needed to uh, get these videos immediately, as quickly as possible. And so <laughs> I, I was like, well, for, for the sake of functionality, I'll, I'll start off and I'll, I'll do the video myself and I'll give it my best try. And then down the road, we can hire maybe a professional actor or someone who really has a lot of experience and they can go in and redo them and, and we don't really have to worry about timing because we will already know how things are programmed. And then they stuck. 
<laughs> and so that was it, it's definitely a little awkward for me when I have people uh, come in especially people that are like my family or, or people that I know very well and I'm excited for them to see the new experience and I have to sit there and watch myself acting every day and so it was fun it was fun um definitely light I would say uh, we wanted it to be a little bit quirky we wanted it to be funny we wanted it to also be informative but the whole goal of this museum was to apply to different audiences that we necessarily didn't have anything for. So there's a, a really fun kids play area with some grassy knolls and tunnels that they can walk through. And it's tied into a, 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 an exhibit that is focused on HVAC for homes. And, and so when you push a button, uh, the air conditioner system um, actually <laughs> is propelled through these these tubes that the kids are playing in so their hair oh, kind of blow back when they're walking through and i have a, an 11 month old and so just uh, about a week ago i got to test it out with him for the first time and <laughs> he had an absolute blast it was it was fun to watch uh just for him to climb and, and if you fall down there's nothing that you're going to hit your head on that's going to hurt you and and it was fun to watch and so I think this has definitely been the most um, exciting. It, it's It's been one of my favorite things I've ever got to work on in my entire life, um, being involved with how this museum developed. I mean, when it, we first built the building, it was basically a 21,000 square foot empty space. And we had to start imagining how we were going to make an experience out of it. And there was a lot of stakeholders that were involved that... <laughs> They definitely had opinions on the things that were necessary um, for our customers to learn. And so we had to weigh all of that uh, feedback and then build something. And working with Thomas, uh, who was the designer of the museum and, and ultimately uh, built most of it, um, it was just so much fun. It was just, it was so much fun. Uh, and now to, to see it come to fruition, it, it's pretty darn close to what we were envisioning when it was an empty room. Um, oh wow! So, if you want, I can kind of go through a little bit in a little bit more detail the different steps that you go through as you're going through the museum. Oh yeah, that would be great. And you know, I was you uh, graciously took a few of us from the CVB several months ago through uh, when it was not quite completed, and it was very cool then. And then I got the great joy of going uh, just a couple of weeks ago, it's completed and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So yeah, tell us about some of those key components throughout. And I wanna make sure that you remind people where to stand in front of the musical instrument. <laughs> I know that oh. sounds really odd, but that was one of the absolute coolest, uh, just any museum experience I've had. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I said, you start off in, in a covered wagon and that's considered um, the the origins of the mobile home industry, which then became the manufactured housing industry. Um, and it really it's the origins to the RV industry as well. Yeah. And so you begin there and, and after uh, your first introductory um, uh, video in the covered wagon is completed, then the curtain opens up and you're you're free to go along your journey. Um, the really nice scenery. It, it pertains to what's in the video that the customer expects to land in Elkhart right before sundown. And so right as you exit, 
there's a, another campsite set up and you get to hear the crackling fire and we have a really realistic looking fire pit. And so it's like, okay, you accomplished what we were hoping for in the covered wagon. <laughs> then you land in the thirties and, and that's a 1939 Schultz mobile home. And you, they meet me once again in a video and I explained to them that that was really the pivotal unit um, when RVing and mobile homes split into two separate industries. Um, Schult sort of continued after that, going towards more of a permanent living um, type of um, product that they were making versus others were going more towards the camping lifestyle. And so after the 30s, they then go into the 50s, and a lot of people talk about the, um, there was a famous movie, the, the name of it is, is, I cannot think of it right now, but it was a Lucille Ball movie, and, and uh, the unit that we have there is a 1955 Spartan. Um, it's called the Imperial Mansion, and now you're really starting to get a sense that this isn't something that you're going to lug around from campsite to campsite. This has really become a mobile home. Um, after that, you, you then land in the 70s, and it's sort of the iconic trailer homes that you would think of, um, very uh, pastel colors. We have one that's a 1972. Two, and then we have one that is post when HUD uh, came along and became a part of the industry and, and the mobile home industry moved into becoming recognized as a housing industry. And that's in 1979. And so there was a lot of different regulations that then came in, um, a lot of different codes that needed to be followed when they were being built. And so we have an example of pre-HUD and we have an example of post-HUD. And then we move into units that, homes that are absolutely stunning. Yes, and they, they represent the three major types of uh, homes that are being built in today's manufactured housing industry market. And one of them is a 28 by 52 double wide. It's a champion home. And in the manufactured housing industry, there's really three, three main manufacturers. There's Champion, there's Capco, and there's Clayton. And we have an example from each one of them. And so to have manufacturers that are so important to their industry be so excited about what we were building and to want to contribute and to want to have one of their homes be involved that was really refreshing for me and exciting it was exciting to have people be excited oh yeah so, absolutely yeah I, I could talk about this museum for a long time <laughs> after that you and this may not have been completed when you were there last but in the middle of uh, where we have the new homes, there's a park office. And so for someone who has absolutely no idea what MH stands for, they have no idea what a manufactured home is, even though they've probably seen a lot of them in their lifetime and didn't even realize that's what it was. It's They walk in and they, they go into this uh, simulated meeting. And once again, they meet me and Clayton Homes uh, provided a lot of content and very graciously, I was very, very thankful. And so we go into this room and, and well, actually let me back backtrack just a, a hair. There's a gentleman that's always been, he was always a, a, a huge proponent for the RVMH Hall of Fame. He From the ma manufactured housing side, his name was Ralph Schooler. And it was always his dream that there would be a manufactured housing museum that was uh, at our facility. Um, and unfortunately he passed away um, three years ago. So he never got to see it, but his son, Jim, was is a huge stakeholder, a very large donor for the whole project, wanted to see his dad's dream come true. 
And so in this park office, we actually did what's called a deep fake. We took a portrait of Ralph, mm -hmm. his father, and you animate it. And so it's a uh, he and then you we actually captured some of his son's voice and went into this audio generator. And when you take a clip of his voice, then anything that you type in that you'd like to be said is said with that the way that person. Oh, wow. And Ralph and Jim wanted so much alike. And so um, now when you walk in, it's it's this portrait of Ralph and, and he's at a desk and, he, and he's saying, all right, folks, you've got a meeting that's going on in the back. Better shuffle in there. And that happens about every 30 seconds. And when you walk in, then um, you basically go from having no idea, like I said, about what a manufactured home is to if you ever wanted to acquire one and you were excited about a lifestyle that could be attached to it, you have all the information that you need to know in a quick four minute um, exhibit. And, and so it's it's definitely a very effective tool when people go in there now and they walk out, they go, I, if I ever wanted to get one of these homes, I would know exactly how to do it. Oh yeah, and absolutely. So, sorry, <laughs> if you have anything to add in, I could just keep talking to talking. Oh my God, well, Ryan, <laughs> you were giving too much of this part away. People need to come and see it in real life themselves. And one thing I am super <laughs> excited about is later this month uh, in March, we'll be hosting the Indiana Tourism Association's annual tourism conference here in Elkhart. And I am really excited because our opening reception is going to be at the RV Hall of Fame. And I am just really excited that we're going to have tourism professionals from across the state be able to see this state-of-the-art museum and really, really get to see what we do here in this county. And I think, you know, as you've talked about, both RVs and manufactured housing have come along in such strides that really manufactured housing is mind-blowing now. Um, they are beautiful. They are stunning. They are really, really good economically, and they are really, really good environmentally, um, which is just such a cool thing. And Ryan, we have covered so much today. Uh, can you tell the listeners just a little bit more about where they can learn about the museums online, where you're located, and all of that? Uh, our website is www.rvmhhalloffame.org. And almost all the information that you would need if you ever wanted, were curious about what we have um, or wanted to visit or, or you're interested in, in potentially um, exercising our Harvest Host program where we allow people to stay in the parking lot overnight um, free of charge um, is all on our website. And so we are on Facebook. Uh, I don't know the exact handles, but every one of them is related to RVMH Hall of Fame. Um, and we're on Instagram and TikTok. And so we, we actually right now we're working on developing some programs that keep um, our audience a little bit more engaged, uh, such as one idea that we're tossing around is, is highlighting one RV a week or, or one piece of our exhibit a week and, and giving a little bit more backstory. Um, than what you would you would get if you just walked up to the display in our museum. Um, so yeah, uh, or you can you're always welcome to uh, track me down. And, and, and sometimes I'm I'm available to give people tours. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, we don't advertise that we do that, but if I have free time and I can walk somebody around, I love to do that. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, again, congratulations on 
everything that you guys are doing over there. You have uh, so much passion. You've got such a great team that helps out there. Um, and it is just such a very, very cool asset that we have here. Thank you for uh, everything that you're doing and especially sharing about it today on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, I am so excited to wrap up this episode with Michaela from the Napanee Public Library. Hey, Michaela, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh gosh, I am doing wonderful. And my goodness, the Napanee Public Library has so many fun things happening this month. And I mean, really every month of the year. But let's talk about some of the fun things that you've got going on. But before we even get started, can you tell us just a little bit about the Napanee Public Library? Sure. So the Napanee Public Library is located right in the heart of Napanee uh, on Main Street. We do have one branch called the Evelyn Lehman Culp Heritage Collection, which is a Napanee museum. And that's just a few blocks away at the Napanee Center here in town. The library serves about 10,000 people in the city of Napanee and the surrounding areas. And um, we have an amazing library. I'm very lucky to work there. We have a collection of more than 80,000 items. Oh, wow. Um, and that's more, than, yeah, that's more than just books. So we have the usual books, movies, magazines, but we also have a library of things, a maker space, um, and just a lot of equipment and technology for people to use as well. On average, we have about 30 programs a month. And then on top of that, we provide a bunch of free resources and services um, like genealogy research, uh, databases. We have curbside pickup here, and we also have a homebound service where we deliver books to um, customers who might not be able to make it into the library. Oh, wow. That is such a nice service that you offer. And you mentioned that you have, you know, this incredible library collection, and you've got so many great events. So let's start sharing some of those with the listeners. One event that always catches my attention is that you do more than just reading in your events and you've got family fun nights happening. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that activity? Yeah, family fun night is a free program for anybody in the area. You don't even have to have a library card. Um, we're just excited to offer up a space and a time for families to connect and spend time together. Um, and they can do that while they're playing games, watching movies, uh, creating different types of things. We usually have snacks, so that's always great. <laughs> um, and every month there's a new theme. So the month in March is going to be gardening. So the families will focus on like how to start a garden, maybe what kinds of things. Um, they'll do some crafts and stuff. And it's just a, a really great time to spend together. So speaking of great times, I know you also have monthly bingo that happens. What, uh, what is bingo like? I know that that can get really competitive. So is your bingo competitive? Is it, uh, just give us all the details on that event too. Yes, bingo is one of the most popular programs at the library. There is always a full group. Uh, the program is actually hosted by a few local volunteers. Uh, so our bingo caller, Andy, he's always very excited to be calling bingo. Um, and the community members just love coming. The games are super exciting and very fast paced and competitive, like you talked about. Um, 
and the prizes are always different. So most of the time we have a lot of snacks and goodies from local businesses. Sometimes we'll throw in books and stuff. And so it, it's just a really great time. And that's twice a month. So double oh, the fun. <laughs> so anybody can come again. You don't even have to have a library card. It's just something really fun that we do. And it's a Oh, wow. That is super exciting. Now, another thing, because again, your event calendar is so jam-packed with so many great activities happening that it was kind of hard to narrow down the things to highlight here on the podcast. One thing that caught my attention, and it could be because I am a the Stranger Things TV show uh, fan, you know, that is uh, set in the fake town in Indiana. And one thing that they really do on that TV show is they play Dungeons and Dragons. And you have Dungeons and Dragons monthly meetings that helps people get to know the game, the gameplay, and all of that, right? Yes, D&D is another um, pretty popular program led by somebody in the community. So we actually have an experienced dungeon master who is like the leader of the group. Um, and they meet every Tuesday. Uh, sometimes it's it can get pretty full and you have to have like an, enough people to play D&D. Um, but you can always, anybody is invited to come to learn about the game um to learn like the ins and outs the rules the playbooks because it can be a little bit intricate um and just have a great time and learn about it and get caught up on what D actually is oh my gosh and i guess i need to even get caught up i need to be trendy and call it D, not its full name oh, like yeah. so that's that's i just need to get down there and, and learn how to do that now, certainly all of the programming that you've got happening at the library is not just games and family nights and stuff. It is a lot of helpful workshops too, like your Triple P Parenting Workshop Series. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Yes, of course. So Triple P is a, an amazing local organization um, and they offer positive parenting programs, uh, which are completely free to people in the community. And so this spring, we partnered with Triple P to offer multiple programs a month. Um, and the programs focus on things like um, managing rudeness and disrespect with teens and preteens. Uh, there's also helping school-age kids cope with stress. And then another um, theme is supporting healthy relationships and managing disagreements in kids. So there's always uh, child activities, um, kind of like child care during the program. So it's really inviting for parents. Um, they can come and get some positive reinforcements um, and kind of like classes for maybe the ins and outs of the intricacies of parenting and they can bring their kids. Um, and then Triple P offers like activities and stuff to help them learn also and kind of keep them busy while the parents are learning too. And Michaela, is that for parents of kids of all ages? Because I know you're talking about, you know, March is the rudeness and disrespect program. And I know I've personally got some friends that maybe have some early teenage kids that they need some help understanding how to deal with, uh, you know, just those 14, 15, 16 year old hormones. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The, the parenting classes they read range from like, babies and toddlers all the way up to teens. 
So maybe um, the different themes will focus more on certain age groups, like the, the disrespect and stuff that's geared towards more parents of teens and preteens. But again, it's always nice to be prepared in oh, those yes. situations. <laughs> so even parents of younger kids can still get useful tools and stuff from those classes. Oh, absolutely, because at any age, you definitely, as a parent, need to continue learning, um, and it may just give them a little bit of insight to what to expect in the next 10 years or so, so that has to be fun for them. Now, you also yeah, do definitely. a lot of hands-on learning around cooking and food, too, right? Yes. Uh, NPL is, is jam-packed full of foodies. <laughs> and people that love to craft oh, so those are my people <laughs> definitely we we love a good cooking class or you know a craft night or something um so throughout the month we have programs for each age group uh, we have cookies and canvas for kids uh, which is like 5 to 12 they just come and snack and they can create whatever they want Oh, uh, we also do the same thing for teens with the milkshakes and masterpieces. So we make the teens homemade milkshakes, they get a canvas, and again, it, it's just time for them to spend with friends and create, um, and they get snacks and milkshakes and stuff, so that makes it fun. Um, and then we also have similar programs for adults. We have a creative canvas, which is a painting class. Um, and we also have a create and craft, which is like different crafts found on Pinterest and things like that. Um, and that's mainly just for adults to kind of have some time to unwind, learn a new skill um, and make something fun. But on the food side, we also have a table talk book club, uh, which is great. It's a book club that focuses on um, cooking and doing stuff in the kitchen and different kinds of food. And that meets every month. And then we also have a program called Recipe Swap, which is like a giant free-for-all. People can come in and bring their favorite recipes, and then they can get recipes from other people. So we really we really like the food part, and um, our adult services manager is a fantastic baker, so we like to try all of her different foods and stuff, too, that she brings for programs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, absolutely. And that's so cool that you just, you've got these programs that are focused on all ages and all levels. And I love the recipe sharing because I know that if I pop into the library and I'm sharing my favorite recipe, somebody's going to give me tips on their favorite recipe and somehow I'm going to get the best baked goods, at least the recipe. I'm not the best <laughs> baker, so it may not turn out, but the, the oh, stuff sure. is there. Now, you also do a lot of partnerships within the Napanee community, and I know that you've got a really fun event coming up, the fourth annual Leprechaun Chase, and that is with the Rue Roadrunners. And for the listeners um, that listen to the podcast regularly, we just had Cami and the crew from Rue on uh, talking about all the great things that you can uh, eat and drink there, but you guys partner with them on this event. Can you tell us more? Yes, we are so excited to be partnered with Rue Roadrunners for the race event on March 18th. Um, it's the perfect St. Patrick's Day celebration. Uh, there is a one mile walk and run, uh, which is called the Leap, and that's $5. And then there is a five mile run uh, called the Chase, and that is $30. Uh, but the course um, for the race starts at the Napanee Public Library and it ends at the Napanee Public Library. So 
um, you run through Napanee, which is a pretty interesting town to go through. Um, and it's got a bunch of like pretty scenery and stuff. So during the race, you guys do that. Um, and then anyone that completed the Napanee Public Library Winter Reading Challenge can participate in the leap for free. Um, so anyone that got that code um, and they can join a bunch of library staff members because there is a group of us also participating in the one mile walk. And we're oh, really excited to do that. That is so fun. And the fact that you're tying in the winter reading challenge with the kids being able to participate in the Leprechaun Leap for free is so cool because that really is, you know, attacking mental health, physical health, reading ability, all of that from so many different directions. And Kudos to everybody at the Napanee Public Library for putting together so many great programs to help the Napanee community and beyond. But really, we just covered a lot of events. So where could the listeners go to see a calendar of events, register for those events that may need that pre-registration and more? Yeah, so the best place to get library information is our library website, and that's www.napaneelibrary.org. On our website, you can find information about our hours, uh, the different departments and what they offer. You can register for programs and events under the calendar tab. And um, we have a huge collection of online materials and resources also available on our website. Um, or you can follow us on social media. We are on all the big platforms. We have Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Oh, uh, and that's TikTok. <laughs> we do have a TikTok. It's it's actually going pretty well. We have a somewhat viral video actually on our TikTok. So um, we do a lot of fun stuff on social media and share about programming information and library information. We also have a LinkedIn if anyone wants to learn about our employment opportunities and stuff. And then we also have a YouTube channel full of online programming and stuff. So um, but the, if all else fails, anyone can just call us anytime or just stop into the library. The best part of the whole library is our customers, and we are always excited um, to uh, serve them whatever way we can. So. Awesome, Michaela. Thank you so much. Um, I have no idea when the team at the public library sleeps because you guys are just putting out so many fun events and taking care of so many books and so many customers. Thank you for joining on the podcast. And I'm excited to have you back on later in the year to talk about more exciting events you've got happening. Thank you so much for having me. Learn more about Elkhart County, Indiana at visitelkhartcounty.com and plan your next adventure. Join us next time for more well-crafted stories about the people and places along the Heritage Trail.